0: Uh, one little boy just told me, I don't know these hand motions, but I'm just going to be silly. I'm like, all right, that works soon. Listen, it's that kind of Sunday. Uh, listen, a, a big shout out. Uh, we, we have two Erica's on the church staff. They both have the same last initial, and both their last names start with Mick or Mac. And uh, so we call them Erica Sr. and Erica Jr. Our, our children's pastor is Erica Jr. That's what we call her. And so a big shout out to Erica Jr. and to every Cornerstone student volunteer. You guys do amazing work here, and we really appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, It's a big deal, not just your investment in their lives, but what you do every Sunday uh, with the children so that moms and dads can focus on the Word of God here in this room uh, and not be distracted. That's a big blessing. Now, distractions are going to be the norm today, so everybody just... Go with the flow, okay? Uh, uh, I just had, I told you, a conversation about with a man who's looking for a job. And really this summer we've had several families. Uh, I'm thinking about five where a man or a woman was looking for a job. And one of the things that I do know is that every family experiences stressful situations. Uh, and, and, and there's times come in a family when there's a need that's so big and you're looking at your bank account or you're looking at your resources or you're looking at the pantry or you're looking at the fuel gauge and you realize uh we're in trouble here <laughs> we, we we don't have enough resources to meet the need that that we're facing and moms and dads do it's it's a reality of life and uh, moms and dads do experience seasons of unemployment every it's going to touch all of us you can know say it's just Don't freak out about it. It's going to touch all of our lives. It is the norm. It is part of life. And what I really want to talk about this morning is not having a reliable income. It's the the, uh, byproducts of that that often get families in in big trouble. Because when you don't have that reliable, steady income and you don't feel that security, uh, it begins to really fray the relationships and put a lot of stress on, on mom and dad. Mom and dads are worried about what are we going to eat and do we have enough money to buy new shoes for the kids and clothes for back to school and uh, what can we purchase and, and can we pay for the home and do we have enough money to make the car payment? All these kind of pressures start mounting up on mom and dad and, and before you know it, mom's shouting at dad or dad's shouting at mom and, or before you know it, a door is slammed and before you know it, uh, kids begin to act out in the home with with bad behavior, sometimes just as a byproduct of the stress mom and dad are under. And you need to know that's a reality in the home sometimes. And when they're sometimes acting in a way that's not normal, normative for them, sometimes as parents we have to stop and say, did we create maybe a little bit of this, uh, you know, by the stress that we're feeling here in the family. And the one thing I really want to communicate this morning, my goal for you today, is to walk out these doors in just a few minutes and be able to confess with assurance that God is bigger than the problem we're facing at home. I want you just to go home with some peace this morning, knowing that God is bigger, He is greater, He is more powerful than whatever is stressing your world out right now, than the problems you're facing that that you say, I don't know the solution, God has got you, and God has got this, and He will be faithful, and He's going to help you through this. Let me come at this as a different angle. It's something that I've dealt with a lot. As you grow grow as a disciple of Christ, and we have many, many here that are in discipleship uh, in the process. As you are growing as a disciple of Christ, you certainly are going to develop a desire in your heart to meet the needs of other people around you. It's part of what happens in the heart of a follower of Christ. When you are born again and you are saved, God gives you a love for other people and you're going to want to at some point minister to people around you it's a natural evolution of being a follower of Christ and there's going to be this moment where you're like man I I really want to help this person with some need emotional, spiritual, physical, material really want to help them with this need and when you want to help you take inventory of what you have and there's where the problem comes you say okay I want to help this person what do I got? And when you start looking at your resources, sometimes we get discouraged because we realize how little we have to give. We're like, man, if I had some money in the bank right now, I'd so help this family. If I had, you know, some words to say, if I was good at words, I'd so talk to someone right now and encourage them. And we look at how little we have and we are sometimes paralyzed that we cannot minister because we don't have much or anything to give. I want to tell you a story this morning about a time when Jesus' disciples felt exactly this way. They wanted to do something, but when they took inventory of their resources, they said, we don't have anything really to give. We feel powerless to minister in this moment. The story's in Matthew chapter number 14. I'm going to read now verse 13. Now, when Jesus had heard this, some things that were going on there, he, he, he withdrew. They've got some bad news, and and, and so they said, "Let's. We need to go to the park. We need to go on a picnic. We need to get away for a while." When Jesus heard this news, he withdrew in a boat to a desolate place. Now it doesn't mean desert. It doesn't mean uh, wilderness. It just means there's not a Chick Fil A and a Taco Bell and a a Walmart and a Kroger nearby. Just uh, a place out in the country is where they're going. They're going to a remote park-like setting. And he said, let's just go get away. And when, and when the crowds heard it, when the people saw Jesus get in the boat and go, it's not a huge lake. You can just see right across it. it and, and just think Grapevine Lake or something like that. And, and, and they, the people saw Jesus go in the boat. They ran on foot around the edge of the lake to go where he, in the little cove area where Jesus was about to go in the boat. Jesus and the disciples wanted quiet time. They wanted some solitude. They had been going, 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 ministering, ministering, and then they got some bad news about John the Baptist's death. And they said, "Let's just go refresh ourselves with a little family vacation here. Let's just go to a quiet place." But now all of this multitude—and multitude, typically in the Bible, means thousands of people, a bunch of people—begin to show up and crash Jesus' picnic with the disciples. These now, just imagine—you want peace and quiet. Now, here's thousands of people with needs. Needy people saying, we need you to do something for us. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Christ that you serve. When Jesus solved this multitude, the Bible says that he was not angry at them for invading his vacation. He wasn't angry at them for invading his picnic. Instead, the Bible says his heart went out to them. That's kind of Bible talk for he was very concerned about them because Jesus loves people. And many of these people that came to Jesus were people who were hurting and people who were sick. And in the day in which Jesus lived, there was no urgent care clinic to run to. Science was not advanced like it is today, and a lot of people died from things that today we would say are very curable. Just some medicine, some antibiotics, you know, a shot and you're fine. In Jesus' day, people died from such illnesses. Let me read verse number 14. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. What do you think about that word? Compassion. He had compassion on them. What did his compassion cause him to do? He healed their sick. When the Bible says Jesus' heart went out and he had compassion, compassion is not just an emotion. It's not just, oh, I feel for you. Oh, my heart hurts for you. Compassion is not just to feel something. Compassion is love in action. Compassion is I feel something so deeply that I want to do something to help you. Compassion is love in action. As a matter of fact, uh, it is the the motto of the nonprofit that we started, our global effects nonprofit. This is our motto, uh, uh, compassion, love in action. And uh, we'll have our Love in Action 5K later this year. It's a motto we want to hold on to because we don't want to just feel for people. We want to try to minister to people and meet their need. Now let me give you the setting of the story again so you can paint a picture in your mind. Galilee is a beautiful lake. The water's pretty clear. It's pretty nice. It's surrounded by rolling hills. Mountain would be kind of a stretch, but there's mountains within about 10 miles, and you can see them. Snow is on the mountains to the north, Mount Hermon, but it's surrounded by rolling hills. They're covered in green vegetation. It is a beautiful, beautiful spot. All of these people are coming now. The sun's out. There's a breeze coming off the lake. Jesus and his disciples are just coming to chill But now here's all these thousands of people. So let's just sit down on the grass here for a minute with Christ and this group. And let's see what Jesus is about to do. It's getting late in the day, the Bible says. They've been out there for a while. Jesus has been ministering. No doubt he's been teaching and talking to these people. And then we're told in the text that all of the people who crashed the picnic, nobody brought food. We're further told that not even the disciples brought food. We're told that now we're at a picnic, but nobody's got anything to eat. Verse 15, now when it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, this is a desolate place, there's no Chick-fil-A here, the day is now over, send the crowds away, tell these people to go home to their village and feed their children and feed their family. We have nothing for them here, it is a desolate place place send the crowds away to buy food for themselves now I just want you to feel something right here you feel any tension right here I'm looking in all of your eyes right now and I'm feeling a little something I'm just thinking in my mind if I have to turn to Jesus and say Jesus tell all these people to go home it's 11 12 right now and in a few minutes they're going to want lunch send these people home Jesus we have nothing for them the tension starts to mount right about here in the story. Because what you see in your imagination right now as you hear the stories, there's a lot of hungry and needy people. Let me tell you about the types of hunger. There's, there's a physical hunger. That's the obvious one. And there are millions of people even this morning around the world that are experiencing physical hunger. There are millions of children tonight that will go to bed hungry somewhere in this world. And I know we've been so desensitized to it by goofy commercials that we just want to turn it off when we hear this uh, assertion. But I want to just challenge God's children this morning. Do do not become desensitized to the fact that somebody went to bed hungry last night and it wasn't you. Don't be sensitive. I'm not trying to guilt you. You enjoy what God's given you. Solomon said, this is your portion under the sun. Enjoy every bit of everything God has given you. Just don't be desensitized to the fact that not everybody is enjoying what you're enjoying. It's not a guilt thing. It's a how can we help thing. Now, Cornerstone as a body, as a church family, we have ministered to thousands of malnourished and... Sometimes homeless children all around the world. And that's what our Global Effects uh, nonprofit does. It goes into places where sometimes we can't go as a church because the government's hostile to Christ. We can go in through Global Effects and we can begin to feed children. I remember when a hurricane hit the country of Myanmar, and one of our disciples got in a little canoe. A hurricane blew on over. They call them cyclones over there in Asia. Blew on over. <clears throat> he went down into the Irrawaddy River Delta, it's like the Mississippi Delta, in a canoe after a hurricane. And our disciple began to paddle down all of those little tributaries and he saw kids hanging out of trees. And he'd row over and get the child and put him in the boat and he'd say, where's your mom and dad? How long have you been hanging in a tree? I don't know. One or two nights. Get in the boat. Found a kid over here. Just he just went through the swamp of the delta and just to begin to collect children. That became the first orphanage that we started. Our global effects partnered with him, and we began to underwrite him. And those children that were being pulled out of uh, Cyclone Nargis aftermath became what is today the largest orphanage that we operate with hundreds of children in Myanmar. Never be desensitized to that. Part of your giving helps us take care of those, those children. Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy, and I will be there in October. I haven't been in several years because of my travel schedule. We're going in October. We'll bring you back a report and let you know how the kids are doing and what is the condition of the orphanage. I want to challenge you. Do not become disillusioned and, 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 and desensitized. to people who are just hungry at some places, and you can meet that need. There are also types of emotional hunger. I think we would all understand this. There are people around us who are hungry for encouragement. By the way, sometimes that's your kids. Your kids sometimes are just starving for you to say something nice about them. And there is a power in encouraging words that parents can give to children and grandparents can give to grandchildren that they will, some of those words you're going to say to them will burn into their mind and they will remember them 20, 30, 40, or 50 years later. And I know that's true because there's parents sitting in the room right now and you remember some good thing your parents said to you that really encouraged you and it stuck with you all your life. Mom and Dad, there are people working next to you tomorrow in the office and in the school and in the community and those people are starving starving emotionally for someone to love them for someone to meet some emotional need that we have and if you are one of those people starving for love this morning I want you to know we'll do our best to meet your needs we'll do our best to love you this cornerstone family will but I want you to know ultimately there is someone who loves you in a way that none of us can and Jesus Christ is able to meet every emotional need of your life. He promised he would adopt you as his own child. And being his child, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. There's also a spiritual hunger and every human experiences a spiritual hunger. There's something inside of every human being that wants to experience God. That wants to experience what these children beautifully articulated, to, to experience the guilty erased and forgiveness coming into my life and flooding my life and the peace of knowing when I pillow my head tonight and say my prayers that I'm good with God no matter what comes in this life, no matter what turbulence rocks my world, God and I are in a peaceful relationship as a loving God and a loving follower. God created you with that desire to know him. And that relationship, of course, is based on love. Let me also say, someone you know is hungry to know Jesus. Cornerstone family, let me speak to you just a moment. Cornerstone people, somebody you know wants to know your Jesus. And it's your job to share your Jesus Christ, to share your faith, with that person. Now let's get to a, back to our story. The, the The disciples' solution was send the multitudes away. We got nothing for them. Got nothing for you? Yeah, I just feel like I'm Jeff Probst now. You didn't win. Got nothing for you? Go back to camp. That's basically what they told him. Go away. We have nothing to give you. But watch how Jesus responds in verse sixteen. Jesus said they don't need to go away. Why? Why would you tell them to go away? Jesus says to the disciples which would be like speaking to you. You're his disciples. Jesus says to the disciples, you give them something to eat. You, you, you see, Jesus' disciples had no solution, but Jesus said, wait a second. Don't, don't just dismiss these people. You give them something to eat. I understand. I think though why the disciples tried to send the crowd away, they were fearful. They were afraid. They saw, I, we got nothing. I mean, I've got empty pockets and an empty Jesus. We got nothing to give these people but jesus said you give them something lock onto those words these are your words these are for you you give them something now the disciples were thinking we don't have everything that would meet their need jesus said quit thinking everything start thinking something <laughs> would you not give them something do you not have surely you have something to give them now listen i want all of our volunteers student volunteers youth volunteers lock on to these words jesus wants you to give them something when you say why, why am i volunteering in the children's area because god's commanded his people to give the bread of life to give of ourselves to give emotionally to give verbally to give serving to give of our give something and I want to challenge every person here at Cornerstone, you get attend a service. We have two on every typical Sunday morning except one or, once or twice a year like this. We have two services for a reason. Attend one, serve one. Serve one, attend one. Find which one you want to worship in and then serve in the other one as a volunteer. Jesus said don't send them away. You give them something to eat. But we're thinking we can't feed these people. We don't have enough resources for the crowd. Now, the truth is, they did have some resources. They just didn't have every resources. They didn't have all the food needed. Uh, uh, they had some food, and we're going to find out in just a second, it was only only a snack. But Jesus' point is, there is something you can do, and Jesus wants you to do what you can do. I guess the footnote here would be, by the way, God will do the rest. There's something you can do. Don't worry about having to be everything to everybody. And I know as we minister through our discipleship ministry, we're teaching our disciples to minister, hey, come on a hospital visit with me. Hey, come and let's pray with this family. And, and as the disciple, you're thinking, gosh, I don't have the words. I don't have the words that are proper for all of this. Listen, you do. You do. And, and we, won't, we won't put you on the spot. That's our promise to you. You do have some words. Just offer the words you have. Your words are good words. God will give you the right words if you'll just start praying with someone god will give you the rest you you just start encouraging put your arm around and just start talking god will help you with the rest i think a lot of times as as believers we just avoid people who are hurting when we know somebody's hurt it's like okay just go the other way let me challenge you right here folks if we avoid people who are hurting We are missing God-given golden opportunities to pray with someone, to use our own past spiritual experiences to encourage that person. What we're really doing is we're missing every opportunity to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't change anybody's life. You're right. It's the gospel that has the power to change someone's life. Paul said in Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. It can transform your life. It's not about your ability. It's about God's ability to work through you. So what I'm saying is every time you're faced with a challenge or an impossibility or a stressful situation, listen, get involved, but don't don't think you have to have every answer. You don't have to fix people. You don't have to have loads of money. Just give what you have. In the other gospel accounts, this is a story that's told beyond just Matthew. It's also mentioned in other books of the Bible. In the other gospel accounts, we're introduced to a guy named Philip right about now. Philip is one of them. He's there. And Philip is really the math student. I mean, this would be Damon's favorite guy in the Bible. I mean, he's a math whiz, Philip. And whenever they start talking about problems, Philip whips out his iPhone, opens the calculator, and starts calculating. What do we got to do? to get the problem solved. So here's what Philip said. Philip answered, I'm over here calculating, Jesus. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for everybody even to have a, a half a piece of bread, just a little bread. I'm over here running the numbers, Jesus, and I'm just saying, okay, 5,000, whatever. Lord, we don't ha- you don't realize how big a bill this is going to be even if we had 200, a denarii as a day's wage for one man. If we had 200 days wages, we couldn't feed. Can you imagine pulling up to a restaurant with 5,000 people? I'll take 10,000 cheeseburgers and 5,000 orders of fries. you I mean, imagine what the bill's going to be? Philip said, I'm calculating it. Uh, Jesus, I can tell you, we don't, we don't have that kind of money. Here's the problem. So many times when we're faced with a challenge, we're calculating, which is normal. It's natural. Count the cost. The Bible says that. We're calculating, but what we fail to factor in is Jesus Christ. That's the missing, that's the X in our formula we forget sometimes. You're calculating just based on purely, here's what I have. Give what you have and let Jesus come into the formula and into the equation. He can do things you've never even contemplated. More details are found in John 6. Another disciple shows up now, Andrew. Here comes Andrew. Now, Andrew is a great guy in the New Testament, and, and Let me just tell you what happens. John 6, verse 8. One of the disciples, Andrew, is Simon Peter's brother, says to Jesus, There's a boy here. I I met a boy here. There's a boy here. He has five barley loaves and two fish. Again, snacks. What are they among so many? Now, Andrew's a great guy. And when you meet Andrew in the New Testament, he's always bringing someone to Jesus. That's his reputation. He first brought his own brother, Simon Peter, and said, Peter, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Jesus, I want to introduce you to Peter. Peter, this is the guy I put my faith in. This is the one who's forgiven me of my sins. This is the Son of God. And Peter became a believer on Jesus Christ and ultimately became a disciple, ultimately became an apostle, ultimately became one of the great spokesmen of the Christian faith, all because his brother, Andrew, introduced him to Jesus Christ. One of the things I noticed uh, Miss Erica, on the list of baptisms you gave me today, there's some brother-sister combos on there. Some brother-sister combos. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. Some families are celebrating today. It's not just a child being baptized. It's it's a brother-sister combo being baptized. And I want you to know, brothers are a big deal and sisters are a big deal. And it's what's really cool. Teenagers would be if you could lead your younger sister or your younger brother to Christ. Wouldn't that be like the ultimate win in life right there? How sweet would that be? How beautiful would that be? You say, I don't have younger siblings. and listen, as a volunteer, wouldn't it be the ultimate cool to volunteer at a youth camp or volunteer at a children's program somewhere and be able even as a young person to share your faith and introduce someone uh, to Jesus Christ? Well, that's kind of the situation that we're dealing with. Andrew comes into the scene, always bringing people to Jesus. Everybody says, we got nothing, let's send them home. Jesus said, don't send them home, you give them something to eat, enter Andrew. Andrew says, I met a boy here. And the boy has a lunchbox, and inside the lunchbox, he's got some snacks. Now, this is where the story turns. This big, fancy Bible miracle really becomes about a boy with a lunchbox. Now, I've got a question for you. How did Andrew know this information this is what i want you to read between the lines of the story a little bit andrew now steps up and says wait we don't have they're saying we got nothing we got something it's not much but we got snacks and they're like where andrew says i I, there's a boy here and the boy has a lunchbox and in the lunchbox he's got some stuff and my question to you is how did he know here's these big high and mighty followers of jesus these apostles these disciples How does Andrew know there's a boy with a lunchbox filled with snacks? My answer is simple. It's obvious. There's no other answer, actually. Andrew was the person working the crowd when everybody else was doubting. Andrew was the person who was meeting people that day. Andrew was the greeter. Andrew was talking to people and putting himself out there for relationships. I was preparing for the Sunday, and I could almost imagine the conversation in my mind. Hi, son, how are you? Listen, I'm glad you came to see Jesus today. He's going to do something wonderful for your family. Y'all are going to be really blessed here today. Uh, what do you got there? A lunchbox. Oh, that's not just a lunchbox. What do you have on the cover of that lunch? Is that a Spider-Man lunchbox? That is the coolest lunchbox ever. Listen, your parents must really love you. you is that your mom and dad? Man, it's good to meet your mom. It's good to meet your dad. Listen, you, your parents must... Do you understand the power of positive words in a family? God's people have to start using their words to bless families. You must have the best mom and dad in the world. They love you so much. Do you see they're providing for you? uh, What's in the box? What did you bring? Now you know what any kid's going to do right now, right? Well, let me show you. And I bet they sat down and I bet the boy cracked open his Spider-Man lunchbox and said, I got some bread in here, I, I got some fish in here, I got some gummy bears. I mean, just, you know, starts unloading the thing. And uh, this is what I've got in box. How did Andrew know? It wasn't in a Ziploc bag. They weren't invented yet, is what I'm saying. It wasn't transparent. Somehow, Andrew conversed with this little boy and met this family somewhere during the day when jesus was ready to turn the teaching service back into a picnic again it was andrew who had a relationship and jesus said to the disciples you offer up a solution here and it was andrew who had put himself out for relationships now listen as your pastor i'm going to constantly challenge you the most important thing on planet earth is people people not things people are the most important thing on planet earth. They are eternal souls. They are eternal beings. Houses are going to come. Cars are going to go. It's people that are eternal. Constantly, always be putting yourself out there to know people. They are precious. They are to be loved and cherished. They are people for whom Christ died. Meet people. And people come in all kinds of wonderful and weird um and if you're not a permanent member here at cornerstone today welcome to a wonderful and weird congregation filled with people who are eccentric and quirky and fun and and all kinds of shapes and sizes and flavors and personalities okay and that's the way god made us and we should celebrate that because he forged all of us together into the body of christ now let's Think about what happens in the story. Jesus says, Okay, you got a lunchbox, and John, the apostle who's writing the book of John, used words that are called diminutives, which just means John used small word forms in his writing to indicate the smallness of the little boy's snacks. Little bitty cheeses. Those are diminutives, okay? Itty bitty is a diminutive. John used diminutives in describing the boy's snacks that he had packed. Here is a little boy, a tiny boy, a young kid with a small box. And in the box, here's some small loaves and a few fishes. But what are they? Among so many. That's the way John wrote this thing in the book of John. Otherwise, he said, here's a big need, a humongous, that's Texan, humongous need. Here's a humongous need, but here's a little boy. With a little snack. Matthew 14. Listen to what Jesus says now. Bring them to me. Bring it here to me. Bring me what you have. I hope you feel the weight of Jesus' words this morning. So I'm speaking to every person here this morning. Whatever you have, bring it here to me. Commit whatever you are, whatever you have, into the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ. And watch how, listen, you want to know what God can do with a life? Then you give all that you are. Give what you've got. Give yourself to Christ today and watch how he can bless your life. Commit what you have. Listen, some of you are struggling financially. Listen, give God his portion first. Give God his portion. Commit it to his hands. Commit all that you have to his hands. Watch God solve your problems. He's going to. It's not mythology. It's not showmanship. I'm not a televangelist. It's real. If you will really trust Christ, he will care for you. Now, notice one thing. Jesus is organized all through the Gospels. He's doing organized things. And it tells us a little bit about God. So let me ask you this question. Do you live in an organized way? I'm going talk about organization just for a second before I close now. Do you live in an organized way? Now, we're going back to school. This is kind of like a fresh start for everybody. For the teacher, fresh start. You're going to show up this week with a clean desk, Miss Letty. Miss Sarah, you got it all organized, ready for school to start. Damon told me he's got his room all set up at the school and he's ready to go. So all of our public school teachers are, are ready. All of our students are getting, you know, a new backpack and some fresh running shoes and, you know, some some jeans that are are ready to go. It's a time for a new start for all of us, and I want you to feel that even spiritually. Maybe as you end the summer and you are starting the school year, maybe you're feeling, oh, listen, it's time for a change. Mom and Dad, how about joining a church and making a commitment this morning and saying to God, we're ready to start a new chapter in our home life right now. Where mom and dad and son, and we all worship God together here on a Sunday morning. And then we go live our week. And we begin to turn over a new leaf and have a fresh start. I'm going to read. Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down. Verse number 19. Sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up to heaven and he asked the blessing. That's why we ask the blessing on the food. Then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowd. All right, let's draw the picture in your mind. Here's these people from the east. They wear bright colored clothes. And they begin to sit down on this big green carpet with a big blue sky above them. And Jesus says, put them in groups of hundreds and put them in groups of fifties. Let's get the crowd organized. Let's know what what we've got. Let's know what we have. Let's get ready to distribute what we've had to the people we've got. God is a God of order. Man, if you really want to reinforce this, read the first two chapters of Genesis. God is a God of order. And he prepares everything in a diligent and orderly, organizational way. And I know what you're saying right now, Pastor, this is where I just turned you off in the service because I'm just not wired that way. Well, listen, maybe it's about time to get wired that way. Maybe it's about time to clean out your car. I've ridden with some of you. And if you're struggling at home to buy garbage bags, now I've never done this, ever. Right now we have a construction dumpster behind the church. Feel free to drive up this afternoon and unload your car, okay? Uh, All I'm saying is if you're looking for a time to put a new face on things and, and get organized, how about this week? If you just needed someone to say now, now, now it's time to clean out the closet. Now this would be a good time to reorganize your life and make sure that God's a part of every equation as you reorganize. And now we get to the end of the story. Jesus now hosts the picnic. Are you ready? Here's verse number 19. He ordered the crowds to sit. He took the five loaves and the two fish. He said the blessing, looked up to heaven, acknowledging where it came from. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. And he asked the blessing, said the blessing. And then he broke it, and he put it into the hands of the disciples, very important, And he said, now you have something to give them. (laughs) Now, Jesus could have given it directly to the crowd, but he put it back into the hands of the disciples, and he said, now you distribute it to them. Now, let me just make a couple observations, and I'm finished. This would be an awesome week to let the kids have a rotation of saying the blessing over your meal. Maybe you as a family struggle for time together, this would be an awesome week to reorganize a little and say, Hey, let's this week all try to meet at the kitchen table at, at five, six o'clock, something like that. And we'll get something on the table. If it's not home cooked, we'll we'll you know, we'll pass around the tacos from Rosa. Whatever you gotta do. Let's get everybody at the kitchen table for, for a few minutes and let's start some family traditions again where we look in each other's eyes, no phones at the table. That's the rule. No cell phones at the table. Power them off for 20 minutes. Open up some guacamole and some salsa and talk to your kids about their day and have somebody bless the food and let's acknowledge God is the one taking care of this family. How cool would that be? And you just let the kids start. Who's going to pray? Right, you start and the tomorrow you've got and then dad's got and then mom's got. We'll just, we'll just pray You know, you got Monday, I have Tuesday, you have Wednesday, and let's remember that God's the one that's caring for our families. At Cornerstone, I want to remind all of our disciples that God is trying to give you a ministry every day by putting people into your life, and I want you to embrace that ministry because God is looking for disciples who will take the bread of life and minister it into the People's lives, whether it's emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it means, just make yourself available to God. Let me read you verse 20. And they all ate, all of them, and they were all satisfied. That means they didn't just eat. What does that mean? That means they ate a lot. <laughs> uh, and I've been with some of you eating. Some of you can eat, okay? I can eat. And listen, and, and They've been out there all day, out out in in this place. Listen, they were hungry. And Jesus said, Don't just take a little, y'all take all you want. I didn't just come to give you crumbs. Listen, I'm I came to give you life. Then I came to give you life more abundantly. Eat until you're filled. Okay? Everyone, just enjoy. God's got the tab today. Jesus has the bill today. I'm asking one question as we close, because this has always mystified me. The Bible says they all ate and were filled, and there were twelve baskets full leftovers. Here's my question: What happened to the baskets? Now, in the text, it doesn't tell us. But God's a God of order and organization; He's so organized that Jesus said, "Okay, now tell everybody wherever there's leftovers, you guys have any leftovers? Yeah, we got three cheeseburgers. We got four fish sandwiches over here. Pass them down, and let's put them in the basket. Let's make a to-go baskets." Let's take, let's don't waste anything. And that's what I want to say. Don't waste anything. But here's my question the Bible doesn't tell us, use your imagination. What happened to the baskets? Where did they go? Well, my short and obvious answer is somebody took them home. What do you do with a doggy bag? You take it home. Someone took them home. Now, I don't know for sure, and I can't teach this as doctrine, but curious minds, I have a theory if you'd like to hear it. I have a theory about where the baskets went. After all, it was his snack. After all, he's the one who gave his snack. So I have a theory. His mother had packed him a little snack in the morning and sent him off to the meeting where everybody was running to to encounter Christ. Can you imagine as he returns home at night? Six baskets on this arm. Six baskets on this arm and a little boy struggling with 12 baskets full of McFish sandwiches coming home. Mom, mom, come and help me with the baskets. You'll never believe it. You know, here's what happened. You say, why do you think he had it? Because he's the one who gave it. It was his faith that started the whole event. Ladies and gentlemen, my God shall supply all of your need. And I have confidence to say that to you this morning. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And you can take that to the bank this morning. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Young people, let's be real still and be real quiet. We're going to pray just for a moment here together with the moms and dads. This morning we've learned some lessons. Jesus wants you to give what you have. Don't worry about how big it is or how small it is. Jesus wants you to give what you have and commit it into his hands. He's in the multiplication business, and that is his business, and he will do a great job at it. And he'll use whatever you have to minister to many, many people. Some here this morning have come into the house of God. You have hungers in your heart. And when I was even talking about meeting needs and emotional fulfillment and somebody encouraging and somebody loving you, if if you could have the microphone for a moment, you would say, Pastor, you're right. I wish somebody would just love on me. I'm discouraged. I need encouragement. I'd love for my husband to say something nice about me. I'd love for my wife to say something kind to me. Children are starving for their parents to say something nice about them. Listen, moms and dads love to be bragged on every once in a while, too, by their kids. Are you willing to give that thing, that praise that other people need? If you have a hungry heart this morning, you're hearing these kids talking about having their sins forgiven and putting their faith in Christ. And maybe even in that video, some voice of the Holy Spirit was speaking to your heart saying, you've never done that. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, you've never done that. Listen, don't you think it's time? What an opportunity this morning to receive Christ as your Savior. You may be saying, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. It's pretty simple. Let me explain. The Bible says, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sins, and you're willing to confess that you're a sinner, if you call upon Christ, He will forgive you of your sins, and He will save you he'll make you his child and heaven will be your home if you've never done it do it right now let me lead you in that prayer father i confess to you this morning that i'm a sinner and god i i believe jesus that you're the son of god i believe you are who you claim to be in the bible i believe you died on the cross leave you were buried and rose again to be my savior thank you for sacrificing yourself so that i could be forgiven and go free jesus this morning i want to say to you that i accept you i receive you into my heart and life as my lord and savior all of my trust is in you for salvation and i ask you to forgive me of my sins cleanse me wash me forgive me right now and adopt me into the family of god today that I'll be a part of you in a relationship with you for all of eternity. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I will say a word quickly to people who need to join our church today. If you're ready to take this next step, just even now, just slip out of your seat, come, and find one of our our staff members right here on the front row just say, we're ready. We're ready. They know what to do. Just slip out of your seat right now and come and just let them know, I'm ready to join today. I'm ready to be a part of the membership of this church. We am going to be a part of this family. And I'll tell you, there's not a better family in the world to be a part of than this family. Wonderful, wonderful family of God. Listen, God spoke some things to your heart this morning. You communicate back. Say, God, I hear what you're saying. God, I'll put myself out there for relation. God, I'll do what you're asking me to do. He'd love to hear that from you this morning. He'd love to hear that this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet very quietly. Just stand to your feet very quietly. Let me deal with this decision. This is Joel Smith. Uh, Mr. Smith's coming to be a part of our church family this morning. I, I, when I asked him about his salvation, there wasn't a millisecond hesitation in his voice. Listen, He knows he's been born again. He's ready to be a part of this church family. All of you who would accept him into this church family, why don't you express that with a round of applause. And I, our promise to you, Joel, is we'll do everything we can to be a friend to you and to be family to you. If you have needs, reach out to the family. Uh, if you don't know who to reach out to, hang on, because something unique's about to happen right here before we go home. We just uh, went through our nomination uh, season for deacons. So this morning we're going to also, as in a dismissal prayer this morning, uh, impanel uh, our new deacon board and so I'm going to call your names and I'd like you and your spouse to just come as quickly as you can if your spouse is in here in the room with you some may be serving next door in our preschool right now but these are the people that were nominated as, as officers of the church JD if you would come JD Rudder and Janet in the room Martin and, and Barbara Wilkins if you will come Tommy and Kim Thompson I know I've seen Tom there Jeff and Jill Parks come on Jeff Damon and Sarah, you need help with the kids for a minute or just, you need somebody to wrestle children for a minute or you have all 13 of them in the room right now or what's going on, all right? There's Damon and Sarah, Chris and Kristen Yancey, here's Chris right here, oh, Chris and Kristen plus one, Yancey, about to make an arrival any moment probably, Michael and Tonya Gibbs, uh, Jessica and Johnny Webster. Uh, Alan and Tammy Smith, I see you coming down the aisle right now. And in this one, we're rolling off Steve and Jennifer Cooks, who've served wonderfully for us. We're very grateful for their service. They'll roll off of this deacon board. Uh, I tell you what, let's just, just, how about a team huddle? uh, And let's just huddle up and pray together. We don't need to go wide. We'll just huddle up here together. Uh, If you need help, church family, these are the men and women you need to be looking for, okay? Uh, New member. This is perfect. If you need help find the big guy okay find this tall guy right here in the crowd and say I need help I'm going to just put this out there because this happens and I mentioned it twice today in the service listen if you need a job you're part of our family we'll network for you uh, I know people you know people you we'll network for you if you'll reach out to any of these men and women and say I'm struggling." Uh, I need some help. Would you pray with me? Any of these men or women, any time. They're on call. They serve the body of Christ. They're here for you. You've nominated them because they serve you. Uh, Every person who's nominated comes through a process and they're nominated by members of the church who said, I want to nominate Tommy because here's what he did for me. I had this situation happen. I needed help. They came to my rescue, and they served me as if I was their own kinfolk. That's what we do for our church family. And I want you to you're, you're served by a wonderful body of people. I want you to join me this morning as we pray over them. When I finish this prayer, you're going to be dismissed. We're going out on the front lawn, and we're going to baptize seven children immediately following this prayer. Okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this wonderful body of men and women, Lord, families who serve our family of Cornerstone Baptist Church. God, I pray for these people because, Lord, they're going to be giving, giving, giving spiritually, emotionally, and sometimes materially to this church family. So, God, my prayer for them is that you would, Lord, fill them. Fill them with your Spirit. Fill them with your resources. Lord, let their lives overflow and abound with your goodness that out of your goodness and your grace, you could flow to this congregation the blessings that so many hundreds of people are needing. God, use them in a mighty way. May your hand be upon them. Lord, thank you for giving us wonderful families like theirs that we can lean upon when we need a friend. God, bless them. Lord, you give us a great year of serving you together here in the coming fiscal year of this church. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.